I'm Kate Dearden, and you're listening to The Migration Podcast. First of all, a little announcement. The next Imisco PhD summer school is taking place from the 3rd to the 7th of June next year at the University of Central Lancashire in the UK. The theme is migration, intersectionality, and inclusivity in relation to race. At the course, participants will have the opportunity to interact and learn from a diverse range of scholars, artists, and professionals. And I've taken a look at the list of speakers and can confirm, wow, it is impressive. Participation is possible in person and online, and bursaries are available. Now here's the important part. The deadline to apply for the summer school is November 26th. The link to do so is in the description of this episode, as well as on the Amisco website. Now, on to today's episode. We hear Larissa Ozarensky interview Dr. Bernadette Kumar, expert in migration and health, about her career trajectory from working in medicine to public health policy and pursuing academic research. She talks about how her personal experience of being a migrant has motivated and informed her research and its outputs, and the professional benefits of having a specialization as well as experience in different sectors. Hi, Bernadette. Uh, I'm so excited to talk to you today. Could you please introduce yourself? Thank you, Larissa. My career started as a medical doctor in India, and I did a residency in surgery. But then I ended up working in war zones in Southern Sudan, Somalia. And I also met my husband at that time, who was a Norwegian diplomat. And then I changed working from clinical work to working with the UN. So I worked with UNICEF, and then again, I worked with UNICEF in the West Bank and Gaza. I worked with other UN agencies, WHO, World Bank, in China, in North Korea. And, and recently, I have been in Nepal. And of course, I worked also in India. So my career has been a span of both working with medicine, working with public health policy, working with research and teaching when it comes to global health. And would you say your main work has been with refugees or migrant health issues? No, my main work yeah. is with global health. With global health. Yeah. However, a lot of my research has been on migrant health mm-hmm. in recent years, but mm-hmm. it's been global health and inequalities in health. That is a larger umbrella. Mm-hmm. And currently I'm at the Norwegian Institute of Public Health as a special advisor. I've been the director of the National Center for Migration and Health in Norway. Mm-hmm. I've also been special advisor to the Prime Minister's program on maternal and child health, which was in India, you know, to achieve the MDG 4 5. And I'm also currently the co chair for Lancet Migration, leading a series for the regional hub of the Lancet Migration. I'm the president of the European Association of Public Health, and I'm the chair of the Global Society of Migration, Ethnicity, Race, and Health. And I think I spoke there other way here all day. <laughs> You have such a broad range of migration-related research, from clinical to policy-focused and systems-based, and plenty in between. Could you describe how you got involved and contribute to such different themes under the umbrella of migration? Yeah, the work with migration was not work that I intended to do, but I had a personal interest in um, embarking on research in this particular area because I have moved around and worked in many different countries where I realized that the whole migration experience was something different. As a professional interest, I found that when I came to Norway, there was hardly any research that was done on migration, and in particular, migration health. 
And it was really surprising given that now in Norway, nearly uh, 20% of the population has some kind of migrant origin. That's what spurred my interest, and that's how I began to work with migration and health. Mm -hmm. So it seemed like instead of identifying with any specific subject matter expertise within the field of migration, you maximize the role of potato, as Norwegians say. You do a lot of different things. Could you share how this allows you to participate more flexibly in the migration research sector? What are other benefits of being interdisciplinary? So I always say coordination takes place on the head. And if you're a person who's working in different areas, then the coordination and the interdisciplinary work happens in your head, and that makes it much easier. So I, because I've had a very strong background working with international organizations, there's always, always been policy making, which has been part of my work. And research is part of the higher education that I became interested in. I never thought I would do a PhD mm. because I really didn't need a PhD in being a medical doctor who also had a specialization. But the PhD gave me the possibility to really go into depth in a particular subject. And so my research uh, was not general migration, it was on diabetes and cardiovascular risk factors among migrants, particularly South Asian in Norway. And that's why I think you need to have a, a very broad uh, perspective of migration, but at the same time, you need to have really, really good skills that are in detail. So you need both the skills. You need to have the broad overview, but at the same time, we need to specialize and understand and go into depth into certain areas. So that's been one of the advantages of having both which means that one can work with different sectors and with different groups of people. So I can, in a way, work with a lot of policymakers, both local and national, because I have the broader skills and competence. At the same time, I can work with medical doctors or work people working in, in hospitals and clinical settings. And because I've also worked in the field in the UN, I can also talk to people at the municipality level or people who are actually implementing uh, uh, programs for migrants and refugees. So I think both my experience and having worked in all these different sectors really helps because you see what is missing in one is complemented by the other and then able to join the dots. Mm -hmm. So I think that I'm a person who can actually join the dots because we tend often to work in silos. So everybody has their silos. The academics are in one silo, the policymakers are another silo. People working at the community level line, the silo, and you actually need to connect because it's not either role. So having the experience of working in all these different sectors been a great advantage to bring it all together. Mm -hmm. And did your PhD subject matter translate into your future work? Because you have so many different subject matters. How do you approach a new a new topic? So this is what I tell all my PhD students. One of the main tasks of the PhD is to teach you how to fish. In other words, how to become a researcher. So the emphasis is not on the fish itself, and which is the results and the findings. And I have to say the results and the findings are particularly of personal interest as well. Having you know many members of the family and the larger extended, uh, you know, both personal and professional network who have diabetes or cardiovascular risk factors. Essentially, I use a lot of my research every day as well in a practical way. 
But uh, it taught me several things which are extremely important for researchers working in the field of microtech. For example, how difficult it is to recruit and how difficult it is to connect data. However, if you've thought two things carefully, you can do that. Secondly, how easy it is to use terms without actually understanding terms. For example, just talking about natives, who are natives, talking about non-Western populations. So that you become a bit more reflective about why you use the term. So research, you know, it's the methodology of the PhD that was so important. And also, of course, the content and a lot of the, the findings for my PhD are still used in Norway. And that's not something I'm very pleased about. So I'd rather have <laughs> updated data, but it's so difficult to get updated data on the particular uh, subject area. So it, it's still very relevant. So I would say that the PhD has led to a lot of different things where you see where the gaps are in research, where you see why it's difficult to actually implement practices as well as policies when it comes to my entire. Yeah, that's a great transition into the next question. I've seen a lot of employment opportunities that request 10 to 15 years of experience in one subject matter. What would you say for academic job seekers who, like you and me, have broader ranging interests and experiences or who really are skilled in being connectors? So I do have the 10, 15 years experience in one particular area. So I would say that that has helped a lot. And initially, my area of work was maternal and child health in a global health perspective. So that gave me the springboard to work with the UN. After I'd worked with the UN, I did have 10 to 15 years then with lots of policy making. So I think the important thing that has been very critical in my career trajectory is I've had education and then I worked and gave the experience and then I got back to education and then I've worked. So in a way, in most of the areas that I now work with, it's soon adding up to 30 years experience. The other thing is that I've done all these tracks in parallel and that has not been, a, you know, it was not a very conscious choice. It just happened because we moved in country to country. But when you do move, you then have to think of what are the best opportunities then, which particular skill can I use in this particular country setting? So that is really something that you have to think, what are the skills I have and what are the skills that match with what the jobs are asking or what is required of the situation? So I think that initially, yes, it's a, it's a challenge to get to your first job, which is why I always say to a lot of, of my students as well, get into a job, don't wait too long. And then, you know, at least to try out. And I think it's also try and error because it's not the first job that you think is great. I mean, I loved an operation theater, but I had to wake up and think, you, I don't want to be in an operation theater for the next 40 years. So I think that also helps that you have that. And of course, I've built up then the repertoire that I've needed and needed for the job that I wanted. And in particular now, of course, you know, I have been in leadership positions and I'm still, you know, doing a lot of leadership work and the work that I've done so far helped me to build up to value. And leadership for me is not about having a position leadership is about mentoring. It's about succession. It's about preparing people like you, the next generation, 
And that is what I find most exciting at this stage of my career now. And also in this short time of uh, working with you, I've noticed that you really strongly take advantage of your network. Could you talk about the role of having a network in being a successful researcher or a successful person in the field of migrant health? You have to be a networker. No man is an island. And migrant health is not the kind of research that you can sit in the laboratory by yourself and do. It is very much being out there. And the other thing I realized very uh, quickly when I started with my mission, that's why I talked about recruitment, because the, the health and the omega of the recruitment was the people that themselves, and I always say that the use enrollment, the participation enrollment is so essential. So if you don't go out and have that network, you can never have that. So I think that that's the most important thing when you're starting. What is it you want to do? And who are the people there? And the other thing is, everybody waits for that to come to you. You can't. You have to go out there and find the people. And that's what I had to do. I didn't know many people when I came to Norway. But now I would say that... You know them all. <laughs> Norway is a small country. Why a lot of people in India do? Where there's a much larger population. And it is about, you know, being interested in people, wanting to know them. And also, I think being curious is so important. And I've always been a very curious person. And being curious is an important part of making allies. And allyship is really very, very critical to the network. Because if people don't see you as an ally, then why should they bother with you? And I think that's also very important about networks is not only the fact that you have to go out there and, you know, get engaged with people, but you've got to keep them engagement. Because if you only go when you need something, people are going to say, ah, they're here again because they want to interview me. But what's in it for me? So I think it's also about maintaining these networks and in a way, oiling the networks, if you like. And the oiling can, doesn't, doesn't necessarily mean that uh, it should cost a lot of money but it's just being interested in people and keeping that interest going. Uh, so it's a two-way street. It's a dialogue. And I think that's what works, at least for me. And it probably helps that you're involved in so many things like the Lancet migration in terms of building the network and maintaining connection, which I imagine can be hard when someone just gets deep into their job or something. Yeah. And I think, you know, initially, I think this is the, this is the area where I always tell you, only career researchers is an exact professional. Yes, it might seem like a waste of time going to a conference. It might seem like, oh, I don't have the time for that. But it's really important to connect with people. So I think in the initial years, even though when you're going to the, a conference, you don't know anybody, it's so important because today, 20 years later, you know everybody at the conference. So it becomes like a high school reunion between. And that's how we just get up. Whereas if you think, no, no, I'm going to just attend the lectures and I'm going to listen to the talks and then I'm going to go away, it doesn't work. Which is why I think that the digital world here today is very important in terms of our workspace and our work lives. And, but the only thing we cannot do that well with the digital world is networking. And for that, we need to have the face-to-face -face contact. Yeah, I'm on board. <laughs> it Thank you so much. Thank you for your mentorship. Thank you for your time. And I appreciate this and I hope to learn more from you. 
Bernadette Kumar is a trained medical doctor originally from India. After many years of working for international organizations, she turned to research and specifically to the topic of migrant health. Among other roles, Dr. Kumar is a researcher at the Norwegian Institute of Public Health and co-chair of Lancet Migration Europe. If you enjoy the Migration Podcast, please consider liking and following us. Thanks for listening.